Hey friends, it's so good to be with you today. My family and I have been locked down in the Berg for the last couple of weeks. We had the good fortune of uh, having a couple of weeks of leave straight after I finished my master's and uh, it happened to coincide with the start of lockdown and so we thought what better place to be locked down than in the Berg. And so we set off uh, in our minds for three weeks, which ended up being a lot longer than we had hoped for. And so we had a couple of weeks of, uh, weeks of leave and then uh, re-engaged work and school uh, remotely and were able to do it, had the privilege of doing it from the Berg. So it's so good to be back in the saddle, back with you today. And uh, man, as, as Rich and Jax have both said, we have missed you. We have missed being with you, although we've been with you from afar. Man, I just miss being in person with all of you. But I want to talk today about uh, rigorous total attention. And there's been a lot of talk lately about what our new normal is. What is our lives going to look like after this crisis has ended? Everything has changed. Well, most things have changed. Everything has been uh, being made new. There's a new normal that we need to have to find. But I want to keep reminding us that the way that we live is an ancient rhythm. It's an ancient pattern. Living like Jesus lived in his rhythm, his pattern, his habits and his ways. These are not things that change. These are things that transform. The difference between change and transformation is that change is an external thing. Everything external to us constantly changes. Change is temporary because what changed today is going to change tomorrow again. Everything that has changed because of this crisis will change again in time. Transformation is a process. It keeps transforming and it keeps transforming in the same direction. And the difference is you get to direct the direction of that transformation. For the most part, change is out of our hands. But transformation is a constant. Our transformation doesn't change. I will continually be transforming, either intentionally through the way that I order my life or unintentionally through the way that I live. So we have a new normal for sure, but we have an ancient way and an ancient rhythm. The difference between change and transformation is powerful. On the outside, they look similar. Looking at a person who has changed and one who's been transformed, you won't see a big external difference. But inside, the transformed person is significantly different. You know what the difference is? The transformed person no longer wants to go back to the way things were. In the book of Exodus, the Israelites were released from Egypt. They were in slavery and captivity in Egypt. And they come out of Egypt and they live in the desert on their way to the promised land. And a few short chapters later, in fact, an embarrassingly small amount of chapters later, we see that the Israelites are yearning to go back to Egypt. It was better for us in Egypt. What had happened? Their their circumstances had changed. Everything about their life had changed. It was outside of their hands. But then their transformation that was within their hands, a transformation of how they lived, how they thought, their habits, how they lived their lives, never never transformed. And so they were still thinking and living, uh, and their habits were that of slaves in Egypt. And so what happened is they ended up yearning to go back to Egypt, where they were more familiar and where they were more comfortable. When true transformation occurs... A person embraces the future more than the past. Change is temporary. Transformation is permanent. Change is out of your hands. Transformation depends solely on you. Change is external. Transformation is internal. Change is random. Transformation is ordered. I want to call you, call us to continue to give attention to our own transformation. We've all had change forced upon us. And how we come through this change will depend to a large degree on our continual process of transformation. That will, depend, that, that will determine how we come through this, this external change. 
Remember that we've been saying for most of this year that the goal of Christian apprenticeship is to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do the things that Jesus did. And that's why I started off by saying that we have a new normal, we have a new, a new way of doing things, but it's an ancient rhythm. Being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing the things that Jesus did is an ancient way. It's an ancient way of life. And it's this ancient way of living that transforms us, irrespective of the external change that is going on around us. Everyone in every business is under some sort of pressure right now. And what I'm asking is that over the next couple of months, that we don't give up hard-fought, won battles for the sake of short-lived freedom. Don't give up your freedom to go back to Egypt in the way that you live. You are no longer slaves. Everything about us has changed. Make sure that we transform our thinking and how we live. That is, that there's a continual transformation of how we think and how we live so that we find ourselves not longing for the familiarity of Egypt and how we used to live. The only way that we can be transformed is by learning from Jesus. I want to ask you three questions today and give you a little bit of context to them. I'm not going to give you the answer to these questions, but it's not very hard to find the answer. You're going to need to find the answer for yourself and for your family and for those that you, that you hold nearest and dearest. Uh, you can very easily find that answer. It won't take you very long. And if you can find the answer and then live it out, which will take you the rest of your life, you will be in a process of transformation uh, in the direction of your choosing that is uh, irrespective of whatever change is going on externally and around you. This is called intentional transformation. And it's, this is apprenticeship to Jesus. And it's something that Jesus offers to everyone who follows him. I love how Matthew chapter 5 starts out in the message version. Jesus, it says this, When Jesus saw his ministry drawing huge crowds, he climbed a hillside. Those who were apprenticed to him, the committed, climbed with him. Arriving at a quiet place, he sat down and taught his climbing companions. It seems to me that there's always crowds with Jesus. He's got the three, he's got the 12, he's got the 70, he's got the 500, he's got the 2,000. And when we look at the scripture in Matthew chapter 5, it's called the Sermon on the Mount or the Beatitudes. And it's essentially Jesus' manifesto. It's the first time that he uh, teaches publicly and uh, he's giving his followers, those apprenticed to him, how, we, how they should live, his pattern for living. It's his manifesto. And uh, when I was taught this uh, scripture at Sunday school, uh, the picture that was drawn was Jesus standing on top of a mountain and he climbed the mountain so that everybody else in the crowd could hear him better, which thinking about it doesn't make that much sense because a climbing a mountain takes you further from the crowds if they're far away. Uh, but when I, I read how Eugene Tr Peterson has translated it here, it says uh, he, Jesus had apprentices, those who were committed and they were climbing partners. It seems, it seems to be from this translation that the people who follow Jesus, his apprentices, are the only ones who get to, he who get to hear Jesus' manifesto, who get to hear Jesus' new way of life. They've done the hard work of climbing the mountain and following Jesus, and so therefore they get the reward of hearing how his pattern of life, how he wants them to live. In uh, Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7, he lays down this pattern of living, how they should be living. And in Matthew chapter 7, he starts bringing his sermon to a close. Chapter 7, verse 13, he says this, don't look for shortcuts to God. The market is flooded with surefire, easygoing formulas for a successful life that can be practiced in your spare time. Don't fall for that stuff, even though crowds of people do. The way to life, to God, is vigorous and it requires total attention. I love that. The way to life, to God, is vigorous and it requires our total attention. It's not something that can be done in our spare time. As we slowly come out of lockdown, don't view your spiritual transformation as something that needs to take a back seat. 
Many of you have businesses that require urgent, undivided attention or they're going to die. Many of us have school children, school going children that require our cooperation and our attention so that they can get through a really tricky time themselves. If we view our spiritual transformation as something that we have to do on top of that uh, or something that is a hindrance to the real work that we have to do, I don't often make promises, but I can promise you this. If that is our view of our spiritual transformation, then it, after, after a very short time, it will become clear that although everything has changed, nothing has been transformed in us. This is not something that we can practice in our spare time. It is something that is vigorous and requires our total attention. So here are the three questions that I want to ask to you today, to put to you today, for you to come up with the answers and how that looks for your life. Number one, what is your life grown around? Number two, who are you learning from? And number three, where are you making your home? These three questions have three pictures, uh, three pictures, a trellis, a yoke, and a vine. If you don't know what those are, that's okay. Don't worry about it. We'll get into it in a minute. So the first question, what is your life grown around? And the picture is that of a trellis. A couple of months ago, my neighbors uh, brought in a contractor and they, they took down a hedge that is the, essentially the boundary wall between us and them. Technically, the hedge was on their side and so they were well within their rights to do it. But I got home from work one day and where once there was a hedge, now there was no more. The problem is, every time they drive past up their driveway now, they look directly into my bedroom window, which I'm sure we can all agree is not ideal. So my desire is that that hedge would grow. Uh, it's a uh, it, it's a bougainvillea hedge, and for those of you who don't know what that is, it's one of those super thorny trees. Uh, it's the scourge of everyone who ever ever played in their back garden barefoot. That's what a bougainvillea is. It's just thorny, thick hedge, uh, but it makes a very good barrier. And so my desire is for this hedge to grow. So it's been a couple of weeks now, and the hedge has grown, but unfortunately there's been nothing to shape that growth. And so I've, uh, all I've got is a, a short little bush with a lot of long sticks growing out of it, many of them growing up. And then as soon as they get too long, the, under the weight of the branch, they start to bend and, and then creep along the floor. And, and I've just got this unruly bush that resembles nothing of a hedge. The problem is it hasn't grown in the direction that I wanted to. It's grown, but not in the direction that I needed to, to form a hedge because it needs a trellis. A trellis is a framework that uh, growth that directs the growth and so that the hedge can become a hedge and it can grow into what it needs to be, what I need it to be to serve my purpose. Our trellis is a framework that we build our lives around. When I was in Sunday school 15 or 16 years ago, maybe a little bit more, we used to sing a song. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. That was literally the only lyrics to the song. I don't know who came up with it. It's an amazing song, but there wasn't very many, very many lyrics. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. The problem with that is it's not a very sturdy trellis. And so the world is full of people who wake up first thing in the morning, read a scripture, say a prayer, and then go on and live their lives. Nothing how Jesus would like them to live their lives. There's no, there's no evidence of the fruit of the Spirit. There's no evidence of them following Jesus in their life. So they are growing, but they're not growing in a shaped direction. Are, there's growth, but there's no growth in a shaped direction. Some of the greatest atrocities and injustices around the world have been committed and led by men and women who have woken up, read their Bible and prayed, and then gone out and lived their life nothing that, in a way that doesn't resemble Jesus. You see, the Sunday school song wasn't wrong. It was just incomplete. If you read your Bible and pray every day, you will grow, grow, grow. But you will only grow as much as your framework allows you to. A lot of this series, 
that, that we've been going through, The Apprentice, is about that. It's about a framework of your life. The framework that Jesus lived his life through is his habits. If I get back to the problem of my hedge, I can run a single doweling rod from where, from where it is to where I want it to be, a single rod. I can make that and I can cable tie branches around that and hope that the hedge grows along that. It's going to take a long time. Or I can make a lattice work, which looks like that, and it's along the, the length, of the hedge, essentially a wall that trains the growth of that uh, hedge. The more intricate I can make that framework, the quicker, more robust, and more sturdy that hedge will grow. And it, in essence, the more effective that hedge will be. It will become, it will serve its purpose as a hedge to stop my neighbors looking in my bedroom window every time they drive past. Reading your Bible and praying every day are foundational for your spiritual growth, but they cannot be your only foundations. If you want to do the things that Jesus did, you have to live how Jesus lived. How Jesus lived is his trellis. It's what our life is growing around and it's what our life should be growing around. It's scripture reading, it's prayer, it's silence and solitude, it's Sabbath, it's slowing down to be effective. It's the practice or the habit of self-denial, which is fasting. See, a hedge without a trellis is a creeper. All of us know creepers. None of us want to be creepers. But if we don't have an effective trellis, an effective framework to grow our lives around, we end up being creepers. We grow, but in the wrong direction. So the question is, what is your life built around? What is your framework? What is your trellis? Is it news and gossip and politics? Is that what you build your life around? Is it panic and build your business and life back from the ground up because everything has changed? Is it sipping from 25 different sources or is it drinking deep from the one well of life? What you build your life on has to be what Jesus built his life on, his habits. That's how you live out your faith. All of the habits that we've been looking at and will continue to look at in this series have been important. I loved what Jack had to say last week about identity. Our identity is the basis that forms our habits. And so when you look at all, all of these habits, don't throw them out the window when life gets hectic and more pressurized because that's when we need that trellis the most. The most. As that hedge, the, the, the longer those branches get, the more reliant they become on the trellis, on that framework. So it's no good saying life is too hectic. I can't, I can't give time to Sabbath. I can't give time, time to silence and solitude and prayer and meditation and scripture. I don't have time for that. The more hectic it gets, the more you need that framework and that trellis to support the growth of your life. The second question is who are you learning from? And the picture is a yoke. Jesus says, Matthew chapter 11 verse 28, again in the message version. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So a yoke is two things. It's a thing that binds two oxen together. And typically, you would bind an older oxen, a broken oxen, in with an inexperienced, younger, unbroken oxen. Before the days of tractors and, and such, a field had to be plowed by oxen, and it required two oxen. If you, if you yoked two oxen, two old oxen together, the plow lines would be straight, but you'd only get half the work done in the amount of time that you needed. If you yoked two inexperienced, unbroken oxen together, you would never get straight lines. And all that would happen is those two oxen would try and bolt in different directions and, uh, and, f- and end up fighting each other. And so what Jesus says is, uh, put my yoke on you. Learn from me. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come and learn from me the unforced rhythms of grace. He says, I'm the older, broken on oxen. I will 
help break you into this way of life. If you, if you yoke yourself to me, you will learn from me how to plow straight lines, how to do what you are supposed to do, how to serve your purpose. Remember, the purpose of a hedge is to protect something. So put your framework in place. That's what a hedge is supposed to do. What a, what a yoke is supposed to do is hold you to somebody uh, and, and to help you to do what you're supposed to do, to live like you're supposed to do. It's all good and well having a framework for your life, but you also need to learn how to live. So the trellis is the theory and the yoke is the practice. There's a massive difference between theory and practice, and we need both of them, and they're both vitally important. A couple of years ago, Anthem Durban North, or as it was at the time, Cogs played a soccer game against Anthem Mamaoti, or as it was called, Fountain of Life at the time. Soccer is one of the few games, ball sports, that I've never played, but I had a pretty good theory of it. Tyron Alton had uh, organized the game, and regardless of me not playing soccer, I was in. I'd played, being the natural athlete that I am, I had a pretty good theory of soccer. The positioning is similar to hockey. I kicked plenty of rugby balls in my time. How hard could this be? On the day, I had a very quick realization that there's a massive difference between having a good theory and having a good practice. All of the theory in the world did not make up for the fact that somebody quicker and more skilled than me was running around me. All the theory in the world did not put the ball into space behind the goalie. It's all very good and well to have a good framework and have a good theory for how my life should live, but I also need to practice. I need a good practice. And how I practice, I need to learn from somebody how to practice. To bring it a little bit closer to home and back into our apprentice series, I realized that I've always had a good theory about Sabbath, the habit of Sabbath. I've had a good theory of it, but I've never had a good practice. And so I need to yoke myself to Jesus to learn the unforced rhythms of grace, to learn how I need to live this life in my framework. We need a good theory, but we also need a good practice. And we need to learn that good practice from someone. Jesus says, yoke yourself to me. Learn from me. At this time, as we keep growing our lives around the practice of Jesus, we need to learn from him how we need to be living within this framework. Don't yoke yourself to social media influencers, people who are paid to try and shape the direction of your life. Don't yoke yourself to politicians who have no investment in your personal life. Don't yoke yourself to college professors, school teachers, friends, news sites, conspiracy theories. It's all good and well. You can learn things from those people. You can gain competency from them. But if you yoke yourself to them, if you learn how to live your life, the practice of your life from those places, you're not going to end up in transformation. Jesus says, yoke yourself to me. Let him be the one who teaches us how to live. The last question is, where do you make your home? And the picture is that of a vine. Jesus says in John chapter 15, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. Some of the other translations say, if you abide in me, if you make your home in me, if you remain in life union with me. So it seems to be possible for us to have a really good framework, a very good theory for life. It seems to be that we can have a good yoke, a good practice of life. We can have a good theory and a good practice and yet still remain unfruitful in our spiritual transformation. Your life will not have the impact and the bear the fruit that it should if you do not remain, if you do not make your home, if you do not abide in Jesus. You, will, you can become the modern day equivalent of a monk living in a monastery with a really good theory, a really good practice, but very little fruit from your life that others can eat from. I'm going to read a bit of a longer passage of scripture. It's not normally our habits. And I'm also going to read it from the message version, which is not the usual version that we preach from. 
We routinely preach from the English Standard Version, the ESV. But I love uh, the, the couple of scriptures that I've read today. I love Eugene Peterson's translation of them in the message. And uh, this passage I'm, I'm going to look at in the book of Galatians. Um, I love the, the juxtaposition that Paul brings between, uh, he says, if you make your home in the world, this is the fruit that your life will bear. Even if, if, even if your framework, your theory and your practice is good, if you li- make your home in the world, this is the fruit that your life will bear. If you make your home with Jesus, this is the fruit fruit your life will bear. So Galatians chapter 5 verse 19 in the message version it says this. It's obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied once, a brutal temper, an impotence to love or be loved, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community. I could go on. This isn't the first time I've warned you, you know. If you use your freedom this way, you will not inherit God's kingdom. But what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives, much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. The only way for our lives to bear this type of fruit is for us to remain in Jesus, for us to make our home in Jesus, to abide in him. We cannot make our home in our church life. We cannot make our home in our studies. We cannot make our home in our businesses. We can't make our home in our competencies. We can't make our home in our planning. If there's anything that we've learned through this crisis is that we can't make our home in our planning. You want to understand the impact that the fruit of your life have on, has on others. After you die, Maybe not five years or 10 years, but 15 or 20 years after, your di- after you die, what people remember about you will be reduced to a single sentence. Unless there's a biography written about you, which I don't think there's going to be about me. Maybe there's going to be one about you, but most probably not. What people will remember of you will be reduced to one sentence. I miss John so much. He was such a... I miss my mom so much. She was such a... And, and the, your entire life will be reduced to one sentence, which is in essence the fruit of your life that others have benefited from. That's how important it is for others to eat and benefit from the fruit of your life. Remember, the only way for us to bear fruit is to remain in Jesus. So where you make your home will determine how fruitful your life will be. What you build your life around will determine the direction that your life grows in and who you learn from will determine who you become like. And so the questions I leave for you to answer is, what, are you, what is your life built around? What is your framework or your trellis? Who are you learning from? Who are you yoked to? And what are you making your home? Where are you abiding? I can't answer those questions for you and I can't do the work for you. How you answer them will determine your spiritual transformation. If you want to be with Jesus, you have to make your home with him. If you want to become like Jesus... You have to yoke yourself to him and learn from him the unforced rhythms of grace. If you want to do the things that Jesus did, then your habits, his habits need to become your habits in the framework of your life. They need to be the same. 
Friends, I close with Paul's words out of Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. And he says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his strength. I don't believe that we're called to muster as much strength as we can in our own selves at this time and, and wonder how we're going to come through all of, this, all of this change. What it means to be strong in the Lord, it means that he is our foundation, he is our teacher, and he is our home, and we were able to rely on the strength of God. Friends, this is what it means to be a Christian. Jesus is the framework that shapes the direction of my growth. Jesus is the one that I yoke myself to and I learn how to live my life from him. And he is the one that I, where I make my home. That's what it means to be a Christian. And if you have never made that decision for Jesus to be your framework, for him to be the one you learn from, for him to be the one where you make your home. If this is the first time you have ever committed uh, to making that decision, there is a button on the screen. Won't you uh, click it and let us know that I've, I've responded to Jesus for the first time. I'm going to pray for you and I'm also going to pray for the rest of our family uh, who want to commit uh, to continuing this journey of spiritual transformation as we follow Jesus. And uh, if you make that decision for the first time today, please let us know. Email us info at anthem.org.za. We would love to celebrate with you and help you to take your next step. Can you pray with me? Father, thank you for your son, Jesus. Jesus, thank you for coming to earth to firstly make a way for us to be blameless before God through your death, but also to show us a way of life that will continue to transform us when the change around us is constant. Jesus, we repent of living our lives by our own standards and patterns. We want to live our lives with the habits that you have given us so that our growth can be in the direction that you want it to be, our, so that our lives can be useful to you. We want to learn from you how to live this life and teach us to remain in you, to make our homes in you so that our lives can be fruitful. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, thank you so much for being with us today. If you are visiting, please don't be a stranger. Straight after the service, we have Growth Track, which helps you understand a little bit more about this family and our culture, our mission, and the part that you can play in it. We also have a prayer meeting on a Wednesday night at 5 p.m. Uh, the details are on our Facebook page. Uh, get on, have a look. Thank you so much for engaging with us today. We love and appreciate all of you.